Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian... How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. Joining me today is Jeff Reuter of The Athletic. Uh, Jeff is not necessarily a... Minnesota United beat writer these days, but he he does watch their games closely and uh, he always has interesting things to say. Welcome to the show, Jeff. You know, it, thanks for having me. And it is funny as a recovering beat writer because I feel like we, we followed each other for over half a decade now. We've interacted countless times on Twitter and I think this is the first time you and I have actually had a conversation. Yes. Voices. So... It, yes. This is strange. It's, this is the thing about MLS Twitter is you feel like you know all of these people. It's like, oh yeah, Jeremiah, and then you got like Chris Ryder coming in, and then you've got all these people across the country, <laughs> and you've never said a word to them. So it's nice to finally say words with you. Yeah, I had a f- similar thing with Chris Bills uh, earlier yes. this year, where uh, like realizing, like I, I reached out to him and said, hey, and it was like realizing, like, oh, we've never seen each other face to face, and uh, so this is the nice thing. This is one of the things I love about. Uh, doing these podcasts is reaching out to people who I want an excuse to talk to. So thank you, Jeff, for uh, giving me an excuse to talk to you. Um, so let's let's get this out of the way first, and then we can get into some more fun stuff. But the Sounders are going to be going to Minnesota for what is, for us, an 11 a.m. kickoff. I guess it's 1 p.m. local time, right? 1 p.m. Central, that's right. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, on Sunday, uh, I don't remember the last time the Sounders played this early in the day, but is that is that a normal kickoff for Minnesota? No, no. I, I think this is very much a, this is the time slot. I don't remember. I'm, I apologize. It's an ESPN game. So I was going to say, if it's ESPN or FS1, I didn't want to offend one or the other networks yeah. that listen to this podcast religiously. But uh, I will say, <laughs> yes, I think that this is very much a, this is the time slot ESPN gave you. You can play at one o'clock have it and it's the it's strangely enough it's the only game on sunday ah so of course they're trying to lead into a galaxy game or an lafc game where they say okay well we need to push that one to three o'clock because of la traffic or whatever it's the only game and it's being played at 11 local time i don't know how you pregame for that if you're a fan i really don't um I'm sure. I'm sure. Sound as fans will find a way. A lot of bloody marys, I would imagine. Bloody marys and mimosas. Yeah, which makes yeah. for a very interesting supporter section. I bet. Just a, yeah, a different feel than beer. Absolutely. So, uh, this what 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 is the atmosphere been like at at Alliance uh, Field? It's 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 been um, that is right, right? Alliance Butch- Field. Yeah. Allianz field. Uh, the Germans what? will also the Germans who religiously listen to this podcast will correct you. <laughs> They had a whole ad campaign that was their slogan was just here's how you pronounce our name. It was like Ah Lee Ons, which is really sad. I should do this with my last name as well, but yeah, um, <laughs> Allianz Field. Okay, well, 
what is how how has the reopening process been in Minnesota? Is it are you guys back to full stadiums? What's the what should we expect atmosphere wise? Yeah, I think that the Minnesota legislation has allowed for full capacity stadiums. Uh, that includes Target Field, where the Twins play baseball um, poorly, and a, a couple of other teams that are in season right now uh, in other leagues. Uh, for for Minnesota United, they've been blocking off i believe it's the first two or three rows of fans in the stadium to ensure greater distance between the playing field as well as the the fans on the concourse and in the stands uh but they are pulling it's about nineteen thousand, i think oh. once you cut out those three rows so it will oh, be a, a good a crowd capacity. yeah it will be a good crowd they've had two one or two games now already with that full capacity feel so uh there shouldn't be any sort of ingress and egress sort of issues uh coming and going from the stadium it's uh, it, it sounded really, really good uh, a little bit ago. So uh, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, yeah, it should be a really good atmosphere, which also then of course makes sense for the, the national prominence. I, again, though, like they're, I, I don't understand the kickoff time. I really don't, but uh, I don't know if there's a lead in game that morning that they're trying to follow, but Euro's done now. So that's, yeah, I don't know what it would mean. They don't, they don't have gold cup. ESPN doesn't have gold cup. So who right, knows? That's true. Uh this is totally not what I had planned to talk to you about, but now that we're, now that I'm thinking about it, what is the, like, I can imagine Allianz field being sort of a crew stadium esque home field advantage for the U S national team. Are you guys expecting to get national team games for uh, world cup qualifying? That is the expectation. Yeah. They hosted two games in the gold cup. I believe they hosted the U S men's national team opener. They hosted the U S women when they're on the victory tour in 2019 as well. So they've hosted, uh, for U.S. soccer. I know that U.S. soccer was very happy with how the facility handled it, with the sound, with the atmosphere, what have you. Uh, I, I think that it seems like Crew Stadium. I think that Colorado Dick Sporting Goods Park is another example of this. When you get these feet, or Mile High Stadium, they usually play in, I suppose. But when you get these places that are in snowier climates, they're, yeah. they're obviously circled in Sharpie once you get to the months of like January. Right. And this state, March, frankly, probably December safely. A third of the year here, you could book... Uh, a world cup qualifier and likely have it be sub uh, sub freezing. So I, I think that they are looking at it as a place that could replace Moffrey uh, in our hearts, uh, which would be very interesting for them. I know that they are uh, seen as like a finalist, if you will, to host. So, I mean, it's really easy to get to as well. It, it's a Delta hub, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul airport. It's the stadium is accessible through light rail, through the highway. Oh, if you're driving nice. by car, through a lot of public busing as well. So it's very, very easy to get to the stadium. It's in the center, but it, it's in the midway St. Paul proper, but it is essentially right between the downtowns of Minneapolis and St. Paul, which also helps for lodging. If you're looking for hotels for any traveling fans and teams and what have you. So uh, I think they see it as a strong contender. It is not, this and U.S. Bank Stadium, where the Minnesota Vikings play football poorly, uh, is not in the final running to host World Cup qual- or the World Cup, World Cup 2026, 2026. Right. But yeah. I think that for qualification for Qatar, as we're looking starting already this fall, I think that you would see Allianz feel very likely as one of those sites. Interesting. Well, uh, back to the back to Minnesota United. Uh, the, so the Sounders have obviously played uh, United so far this year. Uh, that game ended 4-0, a, a scoreline that I think was a little deceiving, although the result was probably yeah, like the scoreline, the scoreline was deceiving. The result was probably fair, uh, yeah. but, and that started off a pretty rough start. I think 0-4 for Minnesota right. United, but they've recovered since then. They, they've been on a pretty good run ever since then. I think they just lost one of their last, uh, what, nine games? 
Yeah, and, and in that sense, I think that you look and you look at the table in the Western Conference and you say largely back on track. The, the hard part is even just getting seventh, which after losing your first four, that's the entire goal for them is we need to get, you know, seventh place, get back to the postseason. Hopefully that means that we were hot down the stretch and then we were able to make noise in the postseason circus Sounders 2016. I, I think that the issue with that though, is that one historically the only team that came back from an 0 four start to make the postseason happened in the Eastern conference last year when just about everybody made the postseason. So it's a little bit difficult to use historical precedents in this. The other thing is unlike other seasons, every game is a six point game this year because there's so little play between the East and the West. Yeah. So every game is so important. So when say, for example, over the 4th of July weekend, they hosted San Jose and that is a game where historically Minnesota United has always wiped the floor with them. Uh, Adrian Heath was one of the first coaches to tactically outmaneuver Matias Almeida after the man marking system came to MLS in 2019 and they tied two, two. And it was a, a game where the expected goals was probably somewhere about 3.5 to one, uh, mm-hmm. And those drop points are really going to cost them as the season continues. What happens is you're allowed in a 34 game season, comfortably six awful games realistically. And it, it wouldn't matter as long as you do what your form is for the other 28 games, you will have no issue contending for one of the top three slots in either conference. That's just the reality of MLS, the schedule. When you've already got four of those games out of the way in the first four weeks, you really have such a fine margin for error that it's easy to see for example, if they drop off and if Austin signs a, a good striker, I know that Austin is is not a team that looks like they can make the playoffs, but if they got the right striker this window and they can and he can link with uh, Cecilia Dominguez in the attack, they could be a contender as well. I think that you look at the Western Conference, Portland is still below the line. San Jose is before below the line. Dallas is below the line as well. These are teams which were expected to do better, and Minnesota, again, already has five losses this season. So they've been faring better, but I think that the form chart would still show more draws, especially at home than the team uh, would like to have netted. Yeah. You know, it is funny. It's funny that you, you said the sixth loss thing just recently. I, I thought I came up with this real epiphany that uh, you can afford to lose. You start the season and you assume you're going to win six, lose six and tie six. And yeah. then it's what you do with those other 14 games that ultimately decide your season. And like you said, you've already, you've kind of already taken that allotment of the, of the losses almost. And right. uh, that does create some problems when you have two thirds of the season left to play. Uh, but w- one of the part, one of the things that seems to have helped turn around the Minnesota's form has been the addition of two players who it sounds like the Sounders didn't even bother to watch video of uh, what the team did pre- uh, prior to four, five games ago. Uh, what can you tell us about these new guys? Uh, yeah, so one of them is a striker, new designated player, the third designated player, uh, Adrian Unu. Um, and, and so he's a French striker. He was playing uh, and contending for the Champions League last year, as well as uh, Europa League places with uh, Stade René. Uh, pardon my French. And um, so they will be... Uh, incorporating him. He's already scored a goal in MLS. He's been starting a lot. He's very good with his movement in the box. Um, I, I think that think of a fancier Chris Wondolowski, I guess he's someone who's really going to find those spaces. He's going to have no issue um, with the confidence in terms of taking shots from other areas of the field. He is not going to be somebody who um has to be poaching around the goal, like say Christian Ramirez from Minnesota United fans recollection. He's someone who he traditionally did all of his best work within the six yard box. That is not going to be Adrian Unu. Um, so he has been already getting some very good interplay with 
Emmanuel Reynoso. Uh, he hasn't played with Robin Lode yet. They're waiting on Robin to come back from uh, Euro or from Euro after Finland was eliminated. But then the second player who was brought in to start on the left wing, where Robin Lode had occasionally played a left-footed winger, uh, is Franco Fragapane, who, uh, if his name is familiar uh, to fans in the Pacific Northwest, it's likely because he was the player who was alleged to have directed a racial slur towards Diego Chara in that game against the Portland Timbers in Portland. So you know, he has also started off strong in the attack. Uh, obviously he's going to have a very close microscope on him moving forward for reasons that have nothing to do with right backs trying to contain him on that flank. Uh, but we are looking at uh, a scenario here where you do have a, a TAM level or a TAM signing Franco Fracapane on the left wing who does have experience with Boca Juniors and Talleres down in Argentina. You have Emmanuel Reynoso who for my money is one of the five best players in Major League Soccer. Uh, you have on the right wing Robin Lode who is a Finnish international who has been the team's leading scorer over the past 16 months and then you have Adrian Unu starting at striker and that doesn't even include Ethan Finley who is still on the roster and still very determined to continue to be a starter and has looked very good with his two-way play this season again. Um, that motor has really been running better since he tore his ACL in Seattle back in 2018, I believe that was. Um, so that's encouraging for the team as well. Uh, there's a, a couple of other depth players who would factor for time. Ramon Avila is on loan from Boca Juniors, and it's strange to talk about a striker who's on loan from Boca Juniors who is in or just exiting his prime as someone who's another guy, right, right. Like alongside like a Foster Langsdorf type. But that's where we are at this point with this Minnesota United attack, which again is why they're so confident they can get past that four-game stinker to start the season and that they still will be able to make the postseason and not just make it but continue to progress their goal this year still realistically entering the year it was to make mls cup and if not it was to contend for the supporter shield they still think they have a chance at that they really do um it's just a matter of timing uh and if they have given themselves enough room to navigate especially because defensively they've picked up several injuries Icopara is still on the roster still not playing michael boxall is going to miss the olympics unfortunately for new zealand with a thigh injury but he was going to miss these games anyway bukai debase the left-footed center back starter uh, has been out for most of the season so far with injury and visa issues so it has been very very difficult for minnesota to get a rhythm defensively uh, as I guess Seattle found in the opener with that 4-0 win. Yeah, and goalkeepers, Tyler Miller now back in, in goal for them? He is, yeah, and Dane St. Clair is away with Canada, so there's really no question um, as to whether or not uh, it will be um, Tyler Miller starting over the weekend. He He's fared really well. His shot stopping has looked uh, as sharp as ever. His distribution, of course, he has that howitzer of a, a leg that he's able to send the ball into the final third without much effort. Um, so it is encouraging for them. He has looked... Uh, I mean, frankly, I think that he's looked better than he did at the start of 2020. Um, there, there were some issues with positioning. He was still establishing that communication, what have you. And, and even with the center back rotation, Tyler Miller has fared well. So I would expect to see him start at Lumen Field or at Allianz. They're at Allianz Field this week. Yeah, they're, they're at Allianz. Uh, as you can tell. But yeah, he should be starting in Nick Cole. So <clears throat> one of the things I always think is, is sort of been a fascinating feature of this uh I don't know. I don't know that you can really call it a rivalry between Sounders and Minnesota, but of their history is the Sounders are now, I think either seven Oh and one or eight Oh and one. I'm not sure if that includes the, the playoff game last year, uh, but the Sounders have never lost to Minnesota. Right. And in fact, they've had, they've won almost every, the only game they tied was, I think one was one of the first games ever played at Allianz when, 
Yeah, that sounds right. It was the the first game that Ozzy played against Seattle. I right, think. exactly. It was one one something like one one, yeah. and Christian Roldan scored the goal for the Sounders. I don't remember who scored for for Minnesota, but uh, it does seem like the Sounders have really had Minnesota's number, and they've to a degree even had Adrian Heath's number. I and I, I think mm-hmm. uh, Heath has never beaten the Sounders either. Uh, does that something they talk about? Is that at all a talking point for them? What is the what is the feeling around that? It's interesting because throughout their time in MLS, they fared very well against the Timbers. And and when you look, of course, everyone at the Western Conference is going to look, and that's kind of the measuring stick. How sure, yeah, of course. The Sounders doing right for the last decade is them in Kansas City, really. And they've gotten much better against Kansas City. They've actually been much better than Portland historically. I think they lost, obviously, the first game that they played in MLS history in very memorable fashion in the worst way possible that 5-1 opener um at providence park but since then they've only lost one game i think they've drawn two and they've won i want to say seven so they've had the timbers number but they still have never been able to get past brian schmetzer um and and it, it's a point where anytime it's asked adrian heath will point to great respect and, and a tactical difficulty and 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 a, Frankly, it also eventually becomes a question of resources. This was especially before the 2020 season when they bought uh, Babelo Reynoso. Uh, it was a, well, look at the players that they're acquiring. Right. You know, we don't, if we had a Rui Diaz, if we had a Lodero, if we had, you know, a Jordan Morris, look at all these players who could be designated players on other clubs, you know, and, and they're in the rotation there, like a Gustav Svensson. You know, that was always kind of his talking point was the resources aren't there. Minnesota has been spending like an upper middle class club over yeah. the last probably outspending the sounders two and a half years i would you, you're probably onto something there yeah I, I mean they've they've added three dps since the start of the 2019 season four technically because they've loaned out tomas chacon uh to liverpool down in uruguay uh for the rest of this season where he'll likely just end up continuing his career from there um that was a major whiff for them and for uh minnesota united sporting staff but i i think that if you look at uh, the additions, I mean, even 2019, they brought in a Vito Minone type, go- a goalkeeper, a luxury piece that no other MLS team would really be zeroing in on. Um, and he ended up winning goalkeeper of the year at that point. Luxury piece for his salary, not because of his level being much better than American goalkeepers. Um, so the excuses are running thin, I think is my point, as I'm slowly, slowly circling around this. And they have continued to struggle. That's to say nothing about the uh, the Western Conference final last season. and. The- right. Uh, which of course happened over the course of the final 20, 30 minutes of that game. And so since then going into the season, they had great confidence. They were excited to have Seattle in week one. They were excited at the prospect of just wiping the slate clean and being able to just go in and uh, get those ghosts out of the way so that they could continue the season. And when they lost in the way that they did, like you said, four zero was probably flattering, but only in the sense that it should have been three zero realistically in my estimation. Uh, So in that sense, um, it put them back a little bit further because it's the, no matter how far we go, we're going to have to get past the Sounders. At this point, I would be very surprised if there is another team, from my memory over the last five years, there hasn't been another team who's had their number quite like Seattle. I think every other team, they've at least played them closer than historically you've seen them play the Sounders. So uh, I mean, it's a big game. This would be another moment for them. I'm sure it's going to be a talking point on ESPN's broadcast about the, um, you know, the ghosts of last fall. And, you know, you can talk about other collapses. Like in 2018, we were talking about this on air um, before, before we went on air about the, the 2018 game where Lodero sent in an assist, I believe, to Rui Diaz uh, to equalize in 20, 2018. And then right at the last minute, Will Bruin scored a goal. Um, yeah 
take three points away and basically killed any chance of the postseason, which Minnesota had been really creeping towards since they got Darwin Quintero. So it has been their bogey team, whether or not they are able to, uh, you know, kind of surpass them. Look, it's one game. It's one game in the first half of the regular season. Right. So I wouldn't say that this would be the one that proves it, but th- you need to beat them at some point. And so I think at a certain point, you just need to be able to uh, uh, get on top of that. Yeah, it does feel a lot like the Sounders and Galaxy in the early stages of the Sounders where they, for all the progress the Sounders would make, it was like the Galaxy would always have, you know, they had Beckham and they had Donovan and the Sounders would always right. say, well, you look, look at their roster. Of course, they're going to beat us. They look how much money they spend. Look how much money we spend. And then, right. uh, and then at some point you're just like, look, uh, that's, we're not really that interested in hearing that anymore. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, the thing is too, it, it's so tempting in sports to be able to just say like head to head these teams, but it's like, okay, how, how relevant is a Landon Donovan first Dempsey clash to the current state of the Sounders and galaxy, right? right. Like it is, you, you have to contain them within windows. Um, now, if you are saying that these are the rosters that were built by Loggerway, and if, you know, to close, I had been there the entirety of the galaxy saga, that's one thing, right. Or if it was a Ziggy versus Bruce thing, but um yeah, it's a little different, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I always I'm always interested in is, uh, you know, Hassani Dotson is a, a Federway player, a Federway product. Uh, I would like to think that our, our listeners all know that by now. We've mm-hmm. made a point of pointing out that he he's from this area, that he grew up here. He played for Crossfire, uh, but you know he's he's enjoyed a real. You know he, he's enjoying his time. It seems in Minnesota. He's you Very know he just so. signed a new contract. He just got he just had a, a public uh, uh, proposal, uh, which yeah, I guess which I guess great. was accepted. Yeah, it was accepted. And uh, and he's you know he's like on that verge of maybe even getting into the national team. And what's mm-hmm. amazing to me is the degree to which he he was missed here. And I I like he tried out for S two. I know it, there was some confusion. It sounds like he was never even offered a con. Like he just completely fell never through. The offered, yeah. As far as he told me when we were doing this interview, he was never offered a place in the Sounders Academy. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's an interest. I think he's an interesting story. If, if for no other reason, then I think he's very illustrative of how, uh, how easily it is for some players to fall through the cracks and how it does seem like us soccer, the us soccer apparatus is doing a better job of, having fewer of those players because Hassani is a player who I think probably 10 years ago would have maybe just kind of fallen through those cracks and, and not really made it into the, into the pool. And now he's, you know, he's, he's someone who, if he doesn't make it, it's not an identification problem. It's, right. he just didn't, he just didn't make it for whatever reason. Or at the wrong time or right. Like, I mean, there is still right. going to be a part. So Dotson is very much the strongest counterpoint and I guess DK, but I think that Daryl DK would have probably ended up in a, an animal, an MLS environment, regardless of the super draft. He passes the eye test. Daryl DK definitely passes the eye test of like, we need to figure out if he's good or not. Yep. Good, good college player. Even if there was no draft, whatever, or, you know, would have been a cheat code in a USL season and then been able to make that move up. I think that there would be mechanisms where a striker uh, like a Daryl DK um, would have made it. I think that when you're looking at midfielders or if you're looking at a Jack Elliott over in Philadelphia, um, I know it's always a little different with players who move in from places like Germany and England, like a Julian Gressel type, because uh, that's just the American soccer system at that point doing its magic. Um, But you know, for Dotson, it is a player who was overlooked by his local market. It is a player, and granted, it should be, you know, clarified too. Sounders Academy was not what it is now. Right. Back when Hassani Dotson was 13, 14 years old trying out for the Academy, right? Um, but now that he's, uh, you know, in his third pro season, he's he's made himself 
virtually undroppable um, in a midfield which features Ozzy Alonso, admittedly at the tail end of his career, very likely he's more of a rotational luxury game, kind of big game only sort of player. Uh, Jan Gregus, who was away with Slovakia for Euro, but is one of their three designated players at this point. Will Trapp, who was brought in as their main free agent acquisition within the league this offseason, of course, plenty of U.S. men's national team experience as well. Um, people, I already forget that he played for Inter Miami last year. In my mind, he signed directly from Columbus and it was like a trade for yeah. Kevin Molino, but nope, it's uh, <laughs> he is one of many players who will very quietly whisper that they're a part of the 2020 Inter Miami team. Um, but but it is a strong midfield. Uh, Ja'Cory Hayes has also looked very, very capable when given chances with Minnesota and looked like the player that FC Dallas thought that they had when they drafted him as well. And yet, Hassani Dotson has been their best midfielder this year. Best two-way midfielder still shows that attacking verve that gets a lot of people excited um, that, that made him stand out in the Olympic qualification failure. Um, but also, you know, his defensive work is improving. Uh, he admits that he's not a player who is going to come in with, you know, the, the perfect pass every single time. He's not going to have the greatest first touch. He's not going to have the cleanest sliding challenges, but he is a player who is relentless. He's a player who's going to be able to motivate himself um, as well as his teammates to be able to just get that extra 5% out of him. Uh, if, if we're going to speak in cliches, I think that he's a player who's made himself very endeared to the Minnesota United fan base and a player that they were really happy to see got a long-term contract extension because they were worried that he would be a player who would not be valued to his market value in terms of salary and then move on to either another MLS club or try his hand in another foreign league. So there's still that potential for him. I think very much so. It is his dream to play in Europe. Um, and he's become a much more dependable player where his floor is much higher and a bad performance for Hassani Dotson is not going to cost you points at this point of his career. Um, so it, it is very interesting to see his progression and then also just his additional comfort with his own identity um, as a black man and being able to talk about that, like he did with the athletic, he admitted that, you know, answering questions about what is it like to live in Minneapolis after the George Floyd murder, he would have never touched that question a year ago, but now he's felt much more comfortable, I guess, literally in his own skin, but also just with the, you know, the black players Alliance uh, that is within major league soccer and feeling in his locker room that he has more support, that he does have more uh, of a sense of what he's, passionate about that he's able to speak about it I, I think that that too is very cool to see because I'm sure that you had an experience if you interviewed him in 2019 where he was just you know very quick answer is very happy to be here um, Miguel Ibarra had, was the exact same way for the first five years of his career um, so we were very used to it in Minnesota um, but he has truly kind of come into his own over the last I would say 18 months in particular well that's great to hear because it I, I think anyone that read like I first of all I would recommend anyone uh, that's listening to this to go read the story that you wrote about him in the athletic. Uh, it's a, it's a great piece. Uh, and that's taking a part that he's, you know, a local kid turned good, but uh, it's a great piece. And I think it's one of the things that was really interesting. You talked about how he has become more outspoken where he's able to, like, I, like you referenced when I interviewed him back in 2019, it was, you know, he was nice, but it was a lot of, you know, short answers. He didn't really elaborate on, on a whole lot. Uh, you could tell he was, it just wasn't really his thing to, to do interviews. Yeah. And from the sound of it, he's, he's kind of grown up and, and he's learned how to deal with the media and he's, he's kind of learned how to, I think maybe I, I would imagine a lot of players learn this, that there's something to be had by being like you gain by getting yourself out there and, and being accessible and you can kind of raise your profile. Yeah. And, and I remember Super Draft 2019, he was drafted after Dane St. Clair and Chase Gasper for Minnesota. So he was their third pick in the second round, 31st overall. And 
he good draft for Minnesota, really good draft for Minnesota. <laughs> uh, and, you, and you look at um, how he, my coverage, I just read back cause I was on site in Chicago for that draft. And I was interviewing, I interviewed Gasper, I interviewed St. Clair. And at the bottom, there's like one paragraph. Like they also drafted Hassani Dotson, a midfielder that Travis Clark said is capable. And that was like, right. right? And it was just, well, if Travis Clark says so, then yeah, that's it's the one guy who's seen him play. Right, exactly. The only person in the world who's seen every college athlete um, playing men's soccer. So, yeah, it's um, it's amazing to watch his progression. And I think that it is a testament to, um, I guess, the program that Minnesota is running in a sense that for the first four years, it was very hard to identify a player that improved at Minnesota United. And this was always a, a point of disdain. Um, for Minnesota United fans after like Tomas Chacon and Abu Dunladi seemed like such big high potential acquisitions who ultimately left for next to nothing. Uh, Abu Dunladi in an expansion draft and Tomas Chacon is going to be loaned with a purchase option that's much lower than what they paid to bring him in over $2 million. So it's, um, it, it, it's the first true sign that a player can and has improved at Minnesota United. Now the question will be what happens with his career if it stagnates, if he becomes an MLS kind of rotational guy. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just going to, I already mentioned Will Trapp in the podcast before years ago, people were thinking, yeah, he's a player who could go to Europe. He's a player. It was him and Perry kitchen that we were thinking were yeah. the future number six position for the U S men's national team. This is like six years ago now, I guess, but right. you know, that move never came. And then at a certain point you're an MLS veteran you're a player who can come in and out of the lineup you're a domestic player who's going to be very valuable because of that um so if he does make that move that will be the final kind of stamp of yes this player has improved and moved on but i think it's pretty fair to say that on super draft day nobody really expects that he would have the career that he has already no had. yeah so he's playing with house money yeah it's it's amazing like i i you know you look back you, you i talk to sounders talent people uh, fairly regularly and I, i'll ask them every now and then about about hassani and and it's like kind of everyone just kind of shrugs it's like yeah we i guess you could say we missed him but like everyone kind of missed him because he hadn't really he wasn't really showing us what he's showing us now and everyone seems to agree that he's now like a you know like a higher end mls midfielder and yeah, i think every team would want yeah every, he's like a, a swiss army knife kind of midfielder and i think every yeah. single team knows that they could use that tactically every single team knows that right. that player fits into any system right and these are the types of players you don't expect to find in a super draft you expect to find your right backs your left backs your center backs some your goalkeepers um that's really it at this point. It really is kind of a defensive fortification mechanism with the potential to have a decent ball shuttling midfielder right yeah, and then the occasional mostly guys who are going to fill out rosters and be right. kind of the guys who who get spot starts when uh you've got guys away on international duty or something yeah very similar to how teams like when teams are looking at the usl to sign a player it's the exact right. same sort of profile except for they have professional minutes and the college player doesn't right so it, it is interesting to see um you know, again, a Daryl DK, a Hassani Dotson, just to remind like, hey, there is still some value to this thing, right? And it isn't just for the Jack Harrisons of the world who, um, you know, need a way to enter the league because, uh, you know, they were a top prospect who was not linked to any market. Um, you know, I, I think that that is an encouraging development. Um, is it still too long at three rounds? I would say so. I think that it's a two round mechanism. Realistically, you just say team stop passing. Like <laughs> you're hurting right. these kids' feelings at this point. But um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, um, an interesting matchup for sure. I, I think the tests are coming 
uh, faster and more furious for the Sounders to see how long they can maintain this undefeated mm. streak. But uh, and this one definitely seems like like a big one for them. Uh, so it'll be it'll be an interesting game, Jeff. It was really good getting to. Uh, kind of finally talk to you in person and, and sure. catching up with you otherwise, but uh, for sure, read Jeff's stuff over at the athletic uh, and follow him on Twitter. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. All right. Uh, this is uh, the center of heart podcast and we will catch you next time.